Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or Walmart.com. In this episode of the podcast, you are going to get some advice from labor and delivery nurse, Liesl Teen, AKA Mommy Labor Nurse. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 194. Whether this is your first time with me or you're a long time listener, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'm so glad to have you with me today. In today's episode of the podcast, we have Liesl Teen, BSNRN. She is a labor and delivery nurse and the founder of Mommy Labor Nurse. Mommy Labor Nurse equips pregnant women with the tools, knowledge, and confidence they need to erase the unknown, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how they deliver. 
With eight years and counting as a bedside labor and delivery nurse, Liesl knows that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. To date, over 40,000 women have completed a mommy labor nurse birth class, eliminated fear, and been empowered by Liesl's comprehensive childbirth education. Liesl has been featured on ABC 11, Forbes, Healthline, Motherly, Romper, and Scary Mommy. And she regularly shares pregnancy, birth, and postpartum related content on Instagram to a community of over half a million and the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast, which receives over 100,000 monthly downloads. Now, as you can see, we obviously have quite a bit of overlap in what we do, but I never want to come in front of you like I am the only one with information to help you about pregnancy and birth. Now, of course, I offer fantastic information, but it's great to have more than one trusted source of information to help you. We come from different backgrounds, different experiences, and bring that to our work. It can also be reassuring to hear the same thing from multiple sources, and we also may present information in slightly different ways, okay? So all of that is important, and that's why I'm excited to have Liesl on today. And I've also been really wanting to have a labor and delivery nurse on for a long time because I know how important labor and delivery nurses are to the birth experience. So in our conversation today, we are going to chat about what exactly does a labor and delivery nurse do during labor and birth. We'll chat about how labor and delivery nurses work with doulas, what people should expect from their labor and delivery nurse. Um, some tips about if they want an unmedicated birth in particular, um, what should people do if they're not happy with their labor and delivery nurse? How exactly do labor and delivery nurses work with doctors or midwives? So much good stuff in this episode. Now, before we get into the episode, one of the things you are going to hear and that we both talk about a lot on our platforms is the importance of childbirth education. So I just want to take a second and tell you about my childbirth education option, the birth preparation course. The birth preparation course is my signature online childbirth education class that will get you calm, confident, and empowered to have that beautiful hospital birth. I put my heart, soul, and everything into this course to really get you ready and prepared to have that beautiful birth experience that you deserve. You learn everything from mindset, everything that's happening in your body during labor and birth, um, possible things that could happen. And I really approach it from the perspective of exactly what you need to know about giving birth in the hospital, because there's some caveats and things that may not be covered in a typical childbirth education class. So you can check out all the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, let's get into the conversation with Liesl from Mommy Labor Nurse. so much, Liesl, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I am so excited to have you on. I have been really wanting to have a labor and delivery nurse and what better labor and delivery nurse to have than someone who has all of the stuff you have. So yeah. thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So why don't you start off by telling us about yourself, your work, and even your family, if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So my name is Liesl Teen. I am a labor and delivery nurse of eight-ish some odd years now 
is it I'm like should I say not I don't even know it's been a little while um (laughs) but I live in Raleigh North Carolina with my two boys and my husband and um I'm also if you google mommy labor nurse you'll probably see a whole lot of pictures and stuff of my face I am the founder of mommy labor nurse which is a platform that I started about four years ago just to um put out you know a lot of education that I felt was lacking from the bedside um, you know, helping moms feel more prepared for birth. And I, I was really mainly focused on in the beginning, kind of just writing blog articles and educating people in that way. And now it's kind of transformed into um, much more into Instagram and video, even starting to get into TikTok. Um, but yeah, really into the visual aids um, and using that as as a means of education. So yeah, it's very rewarding. Um, I've been doing it for, like I said, for four years now. And yeah, I use lots of different props and different, I have my Barbies up here. I don't know if you can see them up here. My Barbies up here. Sometimes I get them in funky labor positions and I just like to do stuff with my hands and, you know, really, really have people understand. Um, sometimes I feel like the issue is sometimes you'll hear something from your provider and you're like, okay, I, I think I understand that, but right. you really need it from somebody who's like, hey, okay, this is actually what happens when we do a cervical check and you know right. this, that, and the other. Right. So it's like right. an easy approach. It's like an approach that where I want you to feel like, okay, I really understand this and I feel comfortable asking questions. And hey, like this visual is interesting too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So you still work as a labor and delivery nurse. I do. And then you do mommy labor nurse as well. I do. Yes. So uh-huh. my current schedule is I'm casual at my hospital. So I do, I I'm supposed to do 12 hours every, every pay period. So right now what I try and do is once a week, I'll do like an eight hour shift or a four hour shift. Okay. And I was doing every other weekend, but it turned into where I was, you know, doing desk work, mommy labor nurse work during the week. And then weekends where I, you know, I would go to the hospital. So right. I was able to kind of take some of my responsibilities away and work, you know, my hospital time within the week, which was a lot better just for work-life balance and everything. Um, gotcha. And I just like being there more often because what I would find is I, I would come every other weekend and some kind of policy would change or mm-hmm. something would be different, you know, so you just kind of feel removed. So now that I'm there at least once a week, um, it feels good to just have that day where I'm doing way different stuff than I do right. on, you know, on mommy labor nurse. And it just, you know, I, I'm able to put my hands on a patient and just really be at the bedside and it kind of grounds you almost. Yeah. I know there's certainly some medical professionals who give up their medical practice when they start to yeah. really get things going online. But at least for me, I don't, I don't want to quite give up being at the bedside. So <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I thought about it for a while because it was getting to the point where I'm like, I'm working at the hospital and I'm working mommy labor nurse stuff, Mm -hmm. but I was able to find a balance. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. And that's why they step away from the bedside. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I've always been one that I, I mean, I do really love my job, so I don't anticipate leaving it. Um, not anytime soon. 
But one of my one of the real main things um, that has made me kind of stay was earlier this year, one of my employees who works uh, who works with me, uh, she with mommy labor nurse, Mm -hmm. she left the bedside because she wanted to, you know, put all of her focus into mommy labor nurse stuff and talking with her about her leaving the bedside and her journey. One of the things that she said was, you know, I I really feel like this is the right decision. One thing though I will miss is just seeing birth. Like Mm -hmm. I don't really get to see, you know, birth anymore. I get to see it removed, you know, and people hearing people talk about their birth stories and stuff and doing all the stuff that we, that we do. She was like, I'm never, you know, it's going to be pretty rare for me to actually be, in in a room where somebody's giving birth and I'm right. like I've never thought about that. I was like yeah. I don't know. I was like wow. Like when you put it like that, I I I'm like I'm good. I that's that's one of the best parts. Right, like it is. oh my gosh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it yeah. Is, it is indeed. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So let's yeah. talk about then um, your experience with being at the bedside and give folks some tips from a labor and delivery nurse perspective, yeah. because what you all do is very different than what we do as obstetricians. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So yeah. what exactly does a labor and delivery nurse do during labor and birth? Yeah. So we, you know, we get there, we get report on, you know, whichever patient that the chargers gave us. And it kind of depends on the patient. Now, if I were taking care of a patient who was in labor, you know, obviously our main job is labor support. Um, we're giving medications that have been ordered by the physician, um, doing vital signs, doing cervical checks. If, if needed, you know, a lot of times the providers do those, but we'll do cervical checks. Um, I'm assessing fetal monitoring strips um, and intervening in emergencies, you know, as they if if they come up. Mm-hmm. At my hospital, we circulate in the OR too for our C sections. I know some labor and delivery nurses don't, and it's like mm-hmm. a separate unit, but we right. circulate in the OR um, with our C-section patients. We set up for epidurals and maintain um, the epidural lines. We uh, really kind of act as a medium a lot of times between the provider and the patient because mm-hmm. the provider is taking care of you know so many patients and we're just kind of their eyes and ears. So yep. that's really a big, big part of our job is just 
being the eyes and ears of the provider and, and relaying, you know, information to them, you know, I mean, and a, another big part that I don't like is we got a chart on the yeah. patient. <laughs> like if it were up to me, I would have somebody else like in my room charting for me and just right. do patient care. But right. yeah, it's a whole lot of, whole lot of different things. Yep, absolutely. And so, and kind of follow up to that, how frequently are you in a patient's room and how many patients do you have at a time? Yeah, so I usually have only one patient mm-hmm. if they are in active labor or let's say they're being induced or let's say they have an epidural. Um, now, if I had a patient who was a little bit more low risk or they were there, um, you know, for another, like they were on antepartum, they were there for another reason mm-hmm. than having a baby, I might have two patients, uh, sometimes, you know, three, it just kind of depends on the situation. Sometimes we'll staff over what we call the OBD, OBED, Mm -hmm. some people call it like triage. Mm -hmm. And those nurses, when you're working over there, it's usually like one to three, but we try to stay one to one, you know, as best as we can. But obviously, sometimes it gets really like really, really crazy busy. And we'll have to take two patients for the time being. Um, but most of the time we try to do one-to-one if the patient's in, you know, in active labor. So, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of misinformation that people think labor and delivery nurses are caring for like, no. you know, yeah, five patients at a time. And I'm like, no, no, girl. <laughs> one-to-one no. Uh-uh. is, yeah, it's, it's just not possible. No. One-to-one is the goal, you know, standard. Um, and, and it may be one to two, like you said, when it's busy, but really the, the, you have to have, the nurse has to have the time to really take care of folks because it's involved. It's a Correct. lot that's involved and it's very different than other units and floors kind of thing. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I much prefer when it's one-to-one. If mm-hmm. I have two patients in active labor, like I am not it's giving them the, the care that I really want to give both of them yeah. because it is a lot. Yeah. I know you asked about how often we go in the room uh, too. Uh-huh. And yep. it, it depends on, again, it depends on obviously what's going on with the patient. Um, now, if she's being induced or she has an epidural, we're supposed to chart on her, you know, every 15 minutes. Now, again, it depends if she's like uh, chilling, <laughs> you know, and she's not doing much of anything. Yeah, I'll go in there. I'll try not to. Um, if she's resting, I'm going to try and just get in there really quick and chart and, you know, kind of come out. Now, if she's in active labor, I'm not going to and she needs my support. I'm not going to just go in there every 15 minutes and, mm-hmm. and come out. I'm going to kind of stay at her bedside the whole time and support yep. her with what she needs. Um, that's why we honestly love when patients have really supportive doulas, because you know, they're doing a big part of what we're trained to do, but they're just like helping me also if I need to give a medication, like I have the doula there to help with labor support. So yeah, it kind of depends on the patient. But generally, I like to assess the situation and see if I need to be with her or if I can step out. Kind of depends. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up about um, a doula and being able to work with doulas because um they're going to be there the whole time the nurse this the other members of the staff are probably going to change so that's great that you you know are in a situation where you work well and are comfortable with working with doulas yeah yeah well i'm very pro doula yeah as long as they you know doulas are very sometimes i think they get bad raps from people because they are like pushy or something Mm -hmm. and i mean i've met obviously doulas who have more of that 
personality, but the majority of them are just really concerned about their moms who they're caring for. And we work really well together because they kind of do what, what they are trained to do best. Right. And I am, am doing what I'm trained to do best. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So what are some characteristics or things that people should expect from their labor and delivery nurse? Yeah, so... Um, I mean, I want I want your labor and delivery nurse to obviously treat you with with respect Mm -hmm. and be open to your questions. Um, And that goes with every member of your healthcare team. Mm -hmm. Um, I would never want want you to be taking care of someone who if you ask them a question, they're, you know, not either not answering or. Um, not supporting you in the way that like, if you're, you know, coming in and you, let's say you don't want an epidural, um, and you're feeling like this nurse that is taking care of me is really pushing this epidural on me. It keeps asking me about how my pain is this, that, and the other, um, you know, we, we want to really best support you. So I would say, yeah, as long as the as long as the nurse is treating you with respect and you're feeling safe enough to ask questions of her. Um, yeah, those are the basic characteristics I would say. Um, and again, like I said, that goes for every member of your healthcare team. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, I think sometimes people don't realize that if you don't have those things in your nurse like you said maybe you have a nurse who's really pushing an epidural or yeah uh, doesn't you don't feel like they're listening to you or that kind of thing what are the options for if you want a different nurse yeah that's a good question because a lot of people don't realize that hey you don't have to just like deal with this you know um so I always tell people this is this is part of the prep, you know, going into um, have uh, into having your baby, knowing that it is okay to ask questions and say, "Hey, that didn't quite sit with me. Um, let's talk about this because I was really, you know, this was on my birth plan, but you're telling me this." So first of all, it is okay to ask questions, and if you're really feeling like you're not being, you know, she's not hearing you ask for the charge nurse and say, hey, can I just speak with a charge nurse um, to kind of get a better sense of what's going on here? Because it, it's it might be a miscommunication with the nurse. And sometimes you need that third party in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the charge nurse usually is going to come in. You guys are going to talk and you can either have, you know, a, a change in assignment. We do our best really to try. I, I mean, as long as it's not crazy, crazy busy and there's nobody else. I mean, we don't want you to be stuck with somebody who is not taking care of you properly. Like that's not, that's unacceptable, you know? Um, so yeah, it is absolutely within you to ask mm-hmm. for the charge nurse, have the charge nurse come in and explain your situation and say, hey, um, this, you know, my nurse said I couldn't do this and I just wanted to make sure, you know, I just wanted to even ask is this even an option? Um, And kind of level with them. But yeah, it's absolutely have a third party get in there. And if you need a change of assignment, hey, you need a change of assignment. Sometimes you sometimes you do. Yeah, sometimes you do for sure. And if you don't, guys don't know what a charge nurse is. Every shift, there's a nurse who should well, sometimes they have some patient responsibilities, but they should not have patient (laughs) responsibilities. They are just responsible for kind of managing 
the floor and uh, assignments with the nurses. And that's their job in right. order to help make sure you're okay and happy with your experience. And don't feel bad if sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a personality clash or exactly. anything like, remember that this is your birth. This is your experience. All of us, my uh, the nurses, the physicians, we're, we're just going to keep doing what we do we're going to you know it's it's don't don't worry that you're hurting anybody's feelings Mm-mm. if you ask for a different nurse no absolutely. Um, sometimes it just needs to happen yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so how do you work with doctors and I don't know if you work with midwives at all but kind of describe what that relationship is like yeah I have worked with some midwives mm-hmm. in the past and we have we still have a few that work in the OBED um, to see patients but the practices that I the practices that I work with now are all, all OBs. Um, but yeah, I think I said it in the beginning best that mm-hmm. we kind of act as their eyes and ears and I have a phone and they have a phone <laughs> and I am, you know, kind of collectively working with them to be their eyes and ears on the patient and let them know of anything that is worrisome of me. And Hey, if they're saying here, here's this medication or here's this plan of care, I'm implementing that plan of care. Um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm also sometimes, especially if I'm in triage and I'm working with a a couple of different providers, you kind of have to, you kind of have to do that. Like you're not just, sometimes the provider is talking to a bunch of different nurses, but especially if you work in triage, Mm -hmm. you're having to kind of go back and forth with residents or this, that, and the other. So, um, but yeah, I think I said it best in the beginning that I'm just communication and implementing, you know, what they say to implement. Yeah. So what I think a lot of people don't realize like that your nurse can be like the one who's kind of, I don't want to say coloring or framing the course of how your labor is going one way or another, but they're the one who's at the bedside often doing the cervical exams and checks and things. And, um, you may only see your doctor, couple times (laughs) during the course of your labor. So that relationship is really important uh, to help kind of support you and making sure you feel like the information is being communicated clearly. Would you say that's fair? I would say that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference also between not all midwives, but a lot of midwife practices. The midwives are just there a little bit more at Mm -hmm. the bedside Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing a little bit more patient care because that's just that's just I think how they're trained in Mm -hmm. um, in school you Mm -hmm. know Um, but yeah I would say that's that's definitely a a big difference but again still very much the same in terms of the midwife can't be in there you know all hours of the day that they still kind of need somebody to watch over things. So still doing similar things, but I would say the midwife just works a little bit closer with the patient. Not to say that there's anything wrong with like, I wouldn't say that OBs need to do a better job Mm -hmm. of being at the bedside. It's just, that's how it is. They usually have a bigger patient load and sometimes Mm -hmm. they have to scrub in and do C-sections. So just a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you see different, doctors, different midwives, and how they have different practice styles. Yeah. What are things that you wish people knew about the different practice styles yeah. and the way that doctors approach labor and birth? Yeah. So I would say this is a big thing that we talk about in our birth courses that, <laughs> hey, it's actually a really, really good idea to interview your provider and ask them questions and say, hey, you know what? I was thinking of 
you know, I, I really kind of want to go without an epidural. I'm, I'm really interested in a water birth per se, or I'm really interested in an unmedicated labor. Um, it, it, I totally encourage you to talk to your provider and say, hey, is this something that you can support? And sometimes you'll find that the more questions you ask of your mm-hmm. provider, you might not be with the, the, the a provider that kind of matches um, yes. your plan of care. Yep. So that's a really important conversation to have during your prenatal care um, because it is okay to switch practices Um you know, in the middle, in the middle of being pregnant, 20 some weeks pregnant or 30 some weeks pregnant, you feel like you're not with the right provider because at the end of the day, we want to, we want to provide the best care possible. And if I'm the kind of person that I want to go a little bit more quote unquote natural, and I'm with a practice that, you know, their C-section rate is kind of sky high and their epidural rate is sky high. Wait a second. I might not be with the right practice. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to scare people, but it's very possible that one person in one room with the particular practice and the next person in another room with the particular practice, they can be very similar, but have very different experiences yes. even being in the same hospital. Would you say that that's fair? I would. Yeah. Especially because we have, it's not just the same providers mm-hmm. at the hospital. Like we have a lot of different, a lot of different practices within the hospital. So it is, I would say, important to look at the overall hospital statistics, mm-hmm. but it's even more important to have that conversation within your practice um, and, and actually talking to your providers. I would say that sometimes within the practice, there are some providers that are a little bit more uh, what's the right word? <laughs> Natural or just, mm. Mm, I don't know what the right word to say is, but they're just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I would say in general, most providers partner with each other. You might agree with me, mm-hmm. but they most of the time they partner with each other because they have similar values mm-hmm. and they have similar understandings of birth. So if you're interviewing this one provider and they're like, you're like, this is way off base, it's probably a good indication that the whole practice is, you know, you might have to go to a whole separate practice. Yeah, that's very true. Very often people are grouped together in practices where, because like you said, they have similar Similar. practice styles. Um, That is not uncommon at all. So you definitely need to get a feel for how everyone is. I think that was one thing that I was kind of shocked about when I used to be in academics, uh, uh, used to be in academic medicine for a long time, which is a little bit different than when you're in the community. When I went to a community hospital and I was like, what in the world? Like literally one person in one room was like cutting episiotomies like, Mm -hmm. you know, all the time. And in a different room, it would be different. So you really just have to ask those questions. This is something that I preach all the time. And waiting until you get to the hospital is entirely too late. Entirely too late, yes. And another thing is, a birth plan is great, but it doesn't mean very much unless you're also having a conversation with your provider. Absolutely. Like it's, you know, you can fill out this whole big birth plan, but if you show up with it and you, you know, the nurses are there like, um, this is not, yeah, you know, it's like, you might as well not even fill it Basically. out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. 
Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So um, let's talk about what are your what are your favorite pieces of advice or things you would like to say to people specifically about labor, especially for those having a first time birth? Yeah, so I would say, you know, I'm all about education, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so educate yourself, um, do a birth course, you know, if you're if you're able to, for some reason, if you know, your insurance isn't covering it, or you can't afford it, there's a lot of a really great free information on the internet, as long as you get it from reputable sources, mm-hmm. we give out a ton of free information on our site and my Instagram, um, and just really educating yourself about what's about to happen because it really if you're I mean if you think about I kind of equate this to skydiving (laughs) if you think about you're about to go skydiving don't you want to kind of brush up on you know skydiving (laughs) isn't something that the normal person knows you know what it's about (laughs) wouldn't you want to kind of just just get a grasp on it before you jump out of the airplane. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely number one is educate yourself. Um, and I think sometimes people are have a um, almost like a barrier to that because they're like, I don't I don't want to hear about these horror stories. Mm. But it's it's usually honestly, it, the more that you understand things, the more likely your anxiety is going to be lessened. Because oftentimes we have moms come in and they're just afraid of Mm -hmm. what they don't know that they're afraid of. It's the unknown, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to manifest tragedy by hearing stories. Um, As a matter of fact, it helps you be better prepared for whatever may come. So you're not going to manifest anything terrible just by learning more information. In fact, it's the opposite. So yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What about specifically for women who during the labor process want an unmedicated birth? What tips do you have for them? Yeah, so one of my best ones, I would say people really grasp onto is instead of uh, uh, 
tensing up at the contraction mm-hmm. pain, you really, really want to try and relax your body as best as you can because that pelvic floor um, that's holding a baby kind of in is a muscle too. So if we're tensing up, sometimes it's just as simple as like relaxing that pelvic floor, relaxing those muscles, and that uterus can really contract effectively and push that baby down, get that cervix to change. Um, and as as hard as it sounds, um, that's really, really so key to labor progression because if you think about pain in general, what's your normal response to pain? Like you skin your knee mm-hmm. or you stub your toe. Ow, that hurt, you know? So normally if we're if we're having a contraction, you're like, oh God, this hurts, this hurts so bad, you know? But really in labor, you want to try and push against that and say, okay, I'm not going to um, tense up at it. This pain I'm in pain Mm -hmm. for a reason. I didn't stub my toe, you know? (laughs) So you kind of just have to let that pain come and relax your body into it and uh, then let it pass. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Another really good, yeah, another really good tip is in between those contractions, savoring those breaks. (laughs) Those breaks are there for a reason. And gosh, I don't think people could get through labor if it was just one continuous contraction. (laughs) So really breathing and savoring those breaks is will will get you through. Uh, Yeah, you you always feel bad when you have because sometimes the oh. con- the breaks are a little shorter a little than short. people would like. And yes. Um, yes. when you see somebody who's having those back to back contractions, you're like, oh, can you please give her a little bit of a break? But no, but I yeah, know. savor it's, the breaks. Yes, yeah. it's so I know. Gosh, especially moms sometimes on Pitocin when they get a run mm-hmm. of contractions, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yeah. I just need a break. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know, you do. Yeah. You deserve a break. <laughs> so what about? pieces of advice during pushing in the birth process, because this is another thing that I don't think people always realize. It's actually your labor and delivery nurse who is with you for most of your pushing. Yeah. However long that may be, whether that's 15 minutes or four hours, yep. it's your labor nurse who's going to be with you. Your physician probably is, is just going to come in towards the end. So what is your advice specifically for the pushing phase of birth? Yeah, so I always tell people it is okay to push in different positions and to speak up for some reason. If you're in a position, you're like, this does not feel good at all. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're laying on your back and you're pushing and you're like, I just, this is not, mm -mm, my back hurts. I want to move. It is okay. Even if you have an epidural, it is okay to get on your side and push. Those beds, all those labor beds, they can get into like this little chair position. Mm -hmm. We have the, um, not the stirrups, but the pushing bar that you can put on the on the bed and you can really squat down and push get on your hands and knees if you have an epidural put like some pillows and kind of lean against the pillows and push like that really the only position you can't do when you have an epidural is like stand up out of bed and do a circle around the bed (laughs) um but i mean pretty much all of the pushing positions that any that someone who doesn't have an epidural um you can you can still do if you have an epidural. So I would say change positions mm-hmm. if the position that you're in is not feeling so good, and also change positions in general. Um, you know, if you've been pushing for thirty minutes, uh, yeah, maybe it's trying time to change your position. Put you know push on your side a little bit, unless you're making like substantial change after thirty minutes and everything's feeling great. I usually try to you know maybe not set my phone timer, but look at the clock and say, okay, it's been about 30 minutes. Like let's make a change. Um, change is good. We like change. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, I love your points about during doing different positions because although it's true that 
um, not a lot of doctors are always comfortable with someone giving birth in different positions. And most often they're going to be like, when they come in, feel most comfortable with the patient being on their back. Yeah. Up until that point, you, you can, can do be whatever moving. the heck you want to Yes, do. exactly. Yeah. You can yeah. be moving around. You can be doing different things. And although it's not, I did, no one should be forced to give birth on their back. Obviously, right. we should always be able to accommodate. Unfortunately, we're not always trained to do so. Right. But please know that the, with a good labor and delivery nurse, you'll have the opportunity to move around and do all kinds of different things. It's not like you're doing that the whole entire time that you're pushing on your, you know, you have to be in one position. Right. I think that's a, a sometimes something that gets missed because people think, oh, I don't want to give birth on my mm-hmm. back. And you're right. It doesn't mean that you're pushing mm-hmm. for two hours on your back. You might be doing all these different crazy positions, but maybe once the provider comes in, you know, you kind of turn over onto your back and just give birth on your back. But that's a way different situation than be, you know, doing five positions exactly. before that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, as we get towards the end, do you have one or two like favorite labor and delivery nurse tricks that Ooh. you would like to share for people to know? So I'll say, um, I just shared this on my feed the other day, the alcohol swab trick for nausea. So sometimes people will, whether it's you have an epidural Mm -hmm. or not, but you get this real big wave of nausea during labor and just taking a little quick uh, alcohol swab and opening that up and taking a sniff nine times out of 10 can get, um, can get that nausea to go away. It's not fun to throw up during labor. Uh, sometimes it makes you have a whole lot of progress all of it a does. sudden, but it it's does. not fun. <laughs> it does. So, We're kind of um, laughing because I, I think we both are thinking in our head, like you see somebody throw up and you're like, here we go. Like, here comes some here progress. Here we go. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'll see like on the, mo- I'll be out of the room and see on the monitor. I'm like, she's not pushing. I know she's not pushing because right. I'm not in there, but big spikes go yes. up. I'm like, oh, I bet she's bo- vomiting yes. and then ding I, 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 I'm throwing up yes. it's like oh okay I bet that baby's way down yep, there yep yep <laughs> yeah um and then other tricks gosh I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head um oh you know what I have a really good one so one of my favorite positions uh when you're me- uh, laboring without an epidural mm-hmm. maybe you're at home is to get on the uh, get on your toilet and spin around and sit kind of um um, just kind of sit on your toilet mm-hmm. like that with your with your legs splayed apart. And then you have that tank right there and you can put a pillow right there yep. and kind of lean your head down. That's one of my favorite positions because you're just, you know, you're squatting and you're relaxed. Um, and if you have to go pee or poop, you're right there. there you, you can go. go pee, you don't have to move, you know. <laughs> um, so that's one of my favorite positions. But a lot of times in hospitals, either you can't do that because you have um, an epidural or the big thing is that sometimes there's not backs on the toilet mm-hmm. like they're just um like our hospitals it's just like the, yeah it's just the bottom a yeah. pipe you know uh-huh. so one of my favorite things to do is to get mom in that position sit her on the toilet and then bring the um bring the bedside table in there and lock it and then she has a little a little stand right there and she you can just put a pillow right there i and she like can, that i know i know i saw someone do that i saw a picture of it and i was like that is so smart. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's I'm going to have to take yeah. that back to back to our hospital. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen anybody do that. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap up, what is the most frustrating part of your work? 
Oh, um, let's see. I would say sometimes I get frustrated when there is a communication barrier between providers and us as the nurses. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes I'm trying to tell them like, hey, this patient, I know you really want to break the water because you want labor to, Mm -hmm. you know, keep going. But like this patient, she's really telling me that she really just wants to have a little bit of time to wait. And sometimes they, you know, they can push back a little bit. So so I would say that's a pretty frustrating part. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would, I also would just say, I mean, I don't know if this is frustrating or not, but sometimes things happen and you just don't, all of a sudden the patient has to go back to the OR for a C-section and you're like, what the heck even just happened? I didn't even, I wasn't able to even uh, predict that was happening. So that's really frustrating sometimes that things kind of get thrown at you um, and you, you just have to go with it. Yeah. (laughs) um, The, 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 your first point is, kind of angering in some ways. I mean, no one should be yeah. doing anything to anybody yeah. without, you know, of course, them agreeing. Um, and you, to your second point, I always say the only predictable thing about birth is that it's unpredictable. And That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, because God knows when, you know, things can be one way, one, mo- both, I don't want to say good and bad, but it can be like, we're running to a stat C-section, or it can be like you were four centimeters and, and you know, an hour ago, and now the baby's on the perineum about to come out just 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 you have to go with the flow of the process yep. and none yep. of us can accurately predict exactly what's going to happen right exactly yeah. yeah so what is the most rewarding part of your work oh so i love when i have patients who maybe they came they come in maybe they're a first-time mom and they are just scared nervous mm-hmm. obviously i want you to come in and not be scared and nervous and be really educated but um I I love when I have moms come in and, you know, they feel anxious and nervous about their birth. And then I'm able to in 12 hours or eight or four hours um, to really ease their anxiety and kind of go on that little journey with them and support them best. Um, I just I love I love those little those first time moms that, you know, you really it kind of being eight years now at the bedside, you I realize you know, the more years I get under my belt that our jobs, they're really so, so important in someone's life. Mm -hmm. Because like, if they're having a negative experience when they're having their first baby or their second baby or any baby, that can make such an impact on so many parts of their lives. Absolutely. So I just, I love that feeling when I leave a shift and I'm like, okay, that mom, at least for me, she felt like she was well taken care of. Um, And then I do, I always say this too. I also feel really honored when I'm able to take care of a mom who is experiencing stillbirth or Mm. um, a fetal demise because that's, you know, a lot of a lot of people would think that's like the worst part mm-hmm. of a labor and delivery nurse's job. And I would say it's the sad, definitely the saddest yeah. part, obviously. But um, it's really rewarding in a sense because it's n- it's not anything that anybody ever wants to go to. Sure. And just me being able to be there at the right moment for someone and care for them in that situation um, is is it leaves when I leave the shift after caring for one of those patients, Mm -hmm. um, I feel really like 
Okay. You know, I I mean, this is not anything that anybody wants to go through, but I was able to be with her um, in a time in this time. So yeah, it is very rewarding for me to take care of, of those patients, unfortunately, in those situations. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really special. I've I've always said that the moment um, stillbirth doesn't affect me and my work anymore, I need to retire. Because (laughs) if it doesn't, then, you know, because it's, it's, Never, you know, it's always difficult. So I, I, I love that that yeah. you find it um, rewarding to help people during that difficult time because it yeah. is extremely difficult for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, do do people ever random question? Do people ever make the connection between your online presence and when they see you in person? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. It depends, obviously, on the patient. Uh-huh. But yeah, I've had that happen a few times where people I'll I'll come in the room and they'll be like. Uh, are you like I think I've seen you before (laughs) or sometimes I'll have people who clearly they're like I I follow you on Instagram you know Um, very often though what happens is I'll come in and I'll be talking to my coworkers, and they're like oh I had a patient the other day and she was asking about you or Uh she like took your course or something (laughs) Um, but yeah I know like one of the practices that I work with one of the private practices they are like mommy labor nurse like fangirls all of them so they (laughs) just play up all of my stuff so all of their patients usually come in and they like know who I am right right it's fun yeah yeah yeah, for sure for sure so last thing and you may have already said it before but what's your favorite piece of advice to give to expectant families Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, obviously, like educate yourself, Mm -hmm. right? But I will say partners are also important, too. Mm. So yeah, yeah, definitely include your partner in all of this. It's not just you. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I definitely made a mistake of the first time is I thought on, you know, I'll do my education. But my husband was just, it's okay, honey, like I'm a labor and delivery nurse. Just It's fine. Just be in the room. But he was like, he didn't know what was going on at all. So include your partner. This is a journey that you guys are going on together. Obviously, if you have a partner, include them. Um, You know, this is a journey that you guys are going on together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, your partner can do so many things to best support you during labor. And it can be really such a bonding experience for the both of you. You guys are both going to be taking care of this little baby that's about to be born. So yeah, including them in just all of the education and filling out the birth plan. Yep. Um, I especially with my my first birth, my husband was just completely um, blown away at how because diff- I went um not completely unmedicated, but I didn't get epidurals with both mine. So he was just blown away at how difficult it was to see someone that he loved so yeah. much in so much pain. Yeah. So that's what I always tell yeah. people in my birth courses in that specific sec- in our partner section that make sure you tell your your husband, you know, or whoever your boyfriend or whoever your partner that um, even if you plan on getting an epidural, hey, it might be really, really hard for mm-hmm. them to see you in so much pain, you yeah. know, before you get that epidural. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I say the same thing. So where can people find you? Where are all the ways and places and things you have available? Yeah, so I also have a podcast. It's the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast on, you know, whatever, Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple, any any podcast, any, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then I'm most active on Instagram and I'm just at mommy.labornurse. Uh, same handle on TikTok. I'm starting to get a little bit more into TikTok these days. Um, and then our website is just mommylabornurse.com. That's what, where we have all of our birth courses. We have three different three different kinds Um 
the epidural series, the natural series, and the C-section series. We really feel like birth education should be tailored to what you envision your birth to be like. So that's why we're really, we, we decided to split them up. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Obviously, we have some overlap in the things that we do and that we offer, yeah. but nobody is perfect for... Yes. Nobody's going to be perfect for everyone. So you, you, you want to have options available. And this is a great option for ways to get a different view of information. You know, I'm always about working together where there's so many Absolutely. people having babies in the space. So. Oh, yes. yes. There's always there's always people. Always, having babies. always. Yeah. Always. And I tell people that, too. I'm like, I don't care if you take my birth course. I just want you to take a birth course. I just that's that should be. Th- this is this is the goal here okay yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely all right well thank you so much Liesl for agreeing to come on it was a pleasure to chat with you yeah it was a pleasure thank you so much for having me all right wasn't that a great conversation I really enjoyed chatting with her um, it's just really nice to to talk to other people in the field who have similar passion and commitment to really helping pregnant people have the best birth experience that they can. Now, um, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my takeaways from the conversation. And here are my thoughts or takeaways from the conversation with Liesl. Number one, I want to be clear And I want to help you understand that it is your labor and delivery nurse who is going to be with you during most of your birth experience. Like I can't say this enough. It is their job to be at the bedside with you, which is why they only have one at the most two patients at a time. So you really should feel supported by your nurse. You really should feel Like um, there's a connection even to your labor and delivery nurse. If you don't feel that way, if things don't feel great, if you're not feeling supported, then please don't feel bad about asking for another nurse who more suits your needs. Because I cannot say or overstate like how often this person is going to be there with you. Some people are quite surprised, actually, at how little their doctor is there during their labor experience. They may be in the office seeing patients. Um, they're just not. They're just not at the bedside. So, if you're not feeling supported by your nurse, don't be, be afraid to ask for another one. Okay, number two is that this is just my opinion, and you you know take it with a grain of salt. But I believe it's really important that you find people who have actual experience and what they're talking about. Liesl comes to you from the perspective of being an actual practicing labor and delivery nurse. So her social media content, her childbirth education class brings that important experience to that. I come to you with the experience of being a board certified practicing OBGYN who still practices. I've been in practice for over 20 years. I've helped well over a thousand babies into this world. And it's really important that you find people who have experience in what they're talking about. On social media, there seem to be more and more people who are talking about things and it's particularly in pregnancy and birth, but don't necessarily have any experience. And I don't want to say that I'm discounting their own personal experience because that certainly matters. And uh, I'm not saying that people can't talk about pregnancy and birth because they don't have experience at the bedside. 
but I do think it makes a difference. And at the very least, you should know what experience people have when they are talking about a particular topic. Okay. So that you can decide like, okay, Hey, like, um, maybe that didn't sound great. Or maybe that did sound great. Even though they don't have experience or they do have experience. I just think it's just really important that you know what the background and expertise is of the person who is giving you the information. And ideally you want to learn from people who have experience and what they're talking about. I, I just think that's important. Okay. And then the last thing I want to say as a reminder is just do childbirth education. Please just do childbirth education. There are options out there. Find something that works for you. But childbirth education is so, so important. It's not something that you can skip. And when you're giving birth in a hospital-based system that too often can take a patriarchal approach to birth, it can try and take away women's power about what happens to them in their own bodies. It can be racist. You really need to empower yourself with information and education. So childbirth education is important. Yes, I have an option. It's the birth preparation course. Check it out at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. However, it's just... I want you to do something. So if you don't do mine, do something, please. It is that important. All right, so there you have it. Share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. It helps me to reach and serve more people. And I so, so appreciate you sharing it. And I so, so appreciate um, hearing from you all when you say that you share the podcast. And speaking of hearing from you, I love it when you send me DMs on Instagram. Come follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I love it when you see send me DMs. Let me know that you share the podcast or that you found the podcast helpful or anything that you find in particular. Love getting messages from folks. So come follow me on Instagram get more information. We can continue the conversation there. Again, I'm at Dr. Nicole Rankins. Also be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to podcasts right now. All right. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Mm-hmm.